Hello and welcome to the Emmanuel Croydon podcast. At Emmanuel Croydon, we exist to be a community drawn together by our desire to know and follow Jesus. We long to become disciples of Jesus who are equipped to serve him in the whole of life, transforming families, communities and workplaces as we love God with heart, mind, soul and strength. We hope you enjoy this week's talk from the morning services. Thank you for joining us today. Grace and peace to you. I want to ask you what topics of conversation you would avoid at a dinner party. Here's here's a few that I've thought of. Uh, Brexit. Uh, I know one family who uh, refused to talk about politics ever at the dinner table for fear of damaging family dynamics. Uh, Or what about um, asking who has the best behaved children? Or or one person turning to another and saying, well, oh, how much do you earn then? Now picture this scene. You've invited some uh, friends over for dinner, you're having a lovely time, you've uh, served the main course, that seems to have gone down well, and you're taking that little pause on your stomach before dessert, and uh, the conversation, um, one topic of conversation sort of comes to the end, and you say to your friends, oh, what would you like to chat about next? And they say, oh, I don't know, how about death? And you're thinking, way to ruin a perfectly good evening. We were doing well, thanks a bunch. My guess is that that is a subject we would avoid at all costs at a dinner party. But here's the, the really striking thing from those words that we read in 1 Corinthians 15. It's that Paul doesn't avoid talking about the subject, quite the reverse. In fact, as you read through the Bible again and again, God helps us by giving us a real honesty about the presence of death. And my hope is that this morning we will, we will benefit from that honesty. So if you've closed your Bible since we had the reading, please do open them again. It's page 1166, page 1166. We're in 1 Corinthians 15. And when we're there, I'll read verse 50. One Corinthians 15, and Paul writes, verse 50, I declare to you, brothers and sisters, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Again and again in this chapter, which we began last week, Paul has been saying that uh, we, these are the kind of bodies that we have. They are earthly bodies. They are bodies which are sown in dishonor. They are natural bodies. Paul says we're of the dust of the earth, that we're, from, we're made in the image of the man of the earth. That's Adam. And now here in this passage... This morning, we are flesh and blood, verse 50, perishable. Verse 53, we are mortal. And all of those words are reminding us of the present tense reality of life. It's this, that that we have broken bodies in a broken world. That is our first big point this morning. Broken bodies in a broken world. Our bodies are broken Many of us will have heard a saying before that in life nothing can be said to be certain except death and taxes. Yeah? 
and, uh, and we're familiar with that. And yet somehow it, we treat taxes as real, but death as if it's not. So every year without fail, even if we'd rather not, we do get our tax return in. And yet every year we find reasons for ourselves to, to just put off thinking about that other topic that's certain. Another year goes by and, and we fail to, to put together a will. Another year goes by for a person just letting themselves drink or eat too heavily. I, I know lots of people who simply refuse to talk about death, not just at dinner parties, but, but ever. It's as if we, we think that by not talking about it, somehow we can change the outcome. But, but Paul's reality check for us here is really helpful. We really are living in broken bodies in a broken world. And these words help us to see why that's the case. You see, we have broken bodies because we live in a broken world. For all the beauty that we find in it, and there is so much beauty around this part of the world, isn't there? But for all the beauty that we find in it, this world is nonetheless not as it was meant to be, not as God created it to be. And that's because we're broken. We have broken bodies in a broken world, and the tragedy is that we broke it. When Paul says, verse 56, that the sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law, it's his way of saying that the law or God's commandments show up the seriousness of our sin problem, our brokenness. Because so often we hear what God says to us, what he desires of us, his goodwill for us, and we try and do the opposite. It's like we see a sign, keep off the grass. And the very presence of that sign makes us want to, to walk all over it. And that's how we so easily treat God left to ourselves. That's why our world is broken. Our world is broken because of our sin. And the most obvious mark of that brokenness is the presence of death. Verse 26 says that the death is the ultimate enemy. And many of us will know that by experience. We'll know by experience just what an enemy death is. Some of you will know, but, but most won't, that I lost my father when I was 26. And he'd had a year of treatment for cancer, but then he went, he went downhill very quickly. And I've got to say, that first year after my dad died, there's no way of sugarcoating just how dreadful that was. Although the grief day-to-day -day is much less painful than it was now, it, it never fully goes away. In fact, moving, it, moving here has brought it up again because he grew up in this area. My dad went to the, the youth group at Crown Road Baptist Church and he finished his life having served his Lord Jesus faithfully. And I'm very aware that some of us in the church family will be going through that kind of grief or pain at the moment. And we want to be a church family who, who love one another in those kind of darkest moments. But there are different ways of loving one another in those moments. You see, it can be very tempting because if someone that we know in our church family has a, a close loss like this, it's, it's very easy to to just reach for the nearest Bible verse that we hope will give comfort. 
And now don't get me wrong, we absolutely need to speak precious truths from God's word into our darkest moments. We're going to see that from what Paul will go on to say next in a few moments. But, but when the pain of loss is at its most raw, if we want to love one another well, then, then the best place we can start is simply to allow our brothers and sisters to express the depths of their pain. To get alongside them and to grieve with them. And then in time to to share truth from God's word. And the way I experienced that was that the the brothers and sisters who were most helpful to me and to our family in that first horrible year after my dad died was was not so much the brothers and sisters who who gave us lots of Bible verses. It was those brothers and sisters who, who simply said things like, I'm so sorry. I know there aren't words that can make this easier for you, but I want you to know that I'm with you. Those are the kind of brothers and sisters we can be to one another. People who who know that the offer of a hug or a text to say that they're thinking of us or the offer of going for coffee often mean more in the rawest moments of grief uh, than particular Bible verses. We live in broken bodies in a broken world where the ultimate enemy is death. And that is why Paul said, verse 50, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. In other words, left to our own, we can't raise ourselves from the dead. We can't stop the presence of death. And here is why I think Paul has has been driving that home again and again in this chapter. It's, It's so that we see the amazing beauty and preciousness of the truth he now comes to. So look with me, verses 51 to 55. In a broken world, and if you are in time of pain at the moment, hear these marvelous words of comfort for the Christian. Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed. In a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. For the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? Broken bodies in a broken world, and yet we are looking forward to perfect new bodies in a perfect new world. That is the Christian's hope. Perfect new bodies in a perfect new world. Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed. In an instant, in a flash as quick as the blinking of an eye. In that instant, Paul says, a most wonderful change will take place. Our broken bodies will be transformed into perfect new bodies. And at that moment, a a trumpet will sound. In the Old Testament, trumpets sound to announce the the future day of the Lord. And when they predict that day when God will come back and judge the world and his people will rise to be with him. A trumpet will sound and in an instant, all of God's people will be changed. All of those who have trusted in the Lord Jesus' death for their forgiveness. So this morning, is that you? Have you trusted in his death? Because if you haven't, then 
then at the moment, this glorious future is not what is awaiting you. And yet it can be yours. So if that's not you this morning, come to Jesus. Because on that day when he returns, then our perishable bodies, verse 53, will be exchanged for imperishable ones, the the mortal for immortality. And on that day when he returns, 54, the saying that is written will come true, death has been swallowed up in victory. That's a quote from Isaiah 27 when, uh, about the final judgment, and, and death is described as a, a shroud that covers all the peoples. It's a way of expressing the fact that death, this ultimate enemy, comes to everyone. But then here, the very next line of Isaiah 27, and this is what Paul quotes from here, it says that God will swallow up death forever. Our world and our bodies are broken. But God says that when he returns, then that terrible enemy of death will be defeated. Death and everything associated with it will be will be swallowed up, in other words, wiped out, all of its presence gone forever. And so on that day, God's people will say these words in triumph, wow, death is your victory, wow, death is your sting. And just to help us feel the wonder of that promise, just, just think with me about the amazing implications of no more death. That means no more physical disabilities. No more mental health struggles. No more trips to a hospital with a sick child. No more strokes. No more broken bones. No more cancer treatment. No more grieving over loved ones. No more hearing aids or glasses or Zimmer frames. No more fading memories. No more contagious viruses. No more unjust wars. No more displaced peoples. No more death. Do you feel that? Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. For those of us who have trusted in the Lord Jesus... Yes, we're living in broken bodies in a broken world, but this is the promise, perfect new bodies in a perfect new world. And here's the final thing we're going to see this morning. It's the final thing, but it's massive. And actually, it's, it's what Paul has been driving towards through the whole of this chapter. Look with me at verse 58. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. See how practical that is? You see, some people have have said that it's possible to be too heavenly minded to be of any earthly use. But Paul says that the opposite is true. It makes a massive difference to our lives in the here and now to know that that is where we're heading. Therefore, Paul writes, in other words, because of everything he's been saying, because of everything about the resurrection, because our future is secure, because our imperfect mortal bodies are going to be exchanged for perfect new bodies in a perfect new world, therefore, Paul says, 
Be steadfast, unmovable, always giving yourself to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. And labor there just means anything that we do for the Lord out of our commitment to following him. So it was really lovely for me to discover, just looking around the church building, that these words are written into the fabric of our church building. Maybe you know, here's a picture of the plaque at the back. It says, to the glory of God and in most loving memory of Alice, who with her sister built this church, youngest daughter of James Watney Esquire, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. That is a wonderful reminder for us that we are joining in with our brothers and sisters of former generations in the work of the Lord. And so let this first be an encouragement to keep going this morning. You see, that verse is a, a wonderful antidote to weariness. It reminds us that none of our work for the Lord is ever in vain. Because on that day when Jesus returns and we meet him face to face and rise to be in his presence forever, then, then we'll see that our work has not been in vain. Maybe you have prayed for, for someone for many years to know the Lord, a colleague, family member, close friend, a neighbor. Maybe you've shared several times with them the, the hope that you have in the Lord Jesus, the gospel that you believe. But you've just not seen any real change. Well, hear this this morning. Jesus is coming back and your labor is not in vain. Keep sharing the gospel with those around you. Or maybe you, you have a really difficult workplace and you've had to be a kind of reconciling presence because there's a lot of gossip, people backstabbing each other a lot and, and you're just tired of it. You're tired of having to try and hold people together. Well, hear this this morning. Jesus is coming back. Your labor for the Lord is not in vain. Keep being a godly influence in your work. Maybe... For you, it's, it's that child or grandchild who, who used to be here with us, but who's drifted away, and you long for them to come back to church, to come to know the Lord. But you're, the long, the, as the years go by, you're just losing your motivation to pray. Well, Jesus is coming back, so your labor for the Lord is not in vain. Keep praying for them. Or finally, maybe you've you've served for a long time in some aspect of church life here. But you're feeling tired. And if you're honest, you wish that more people recognize the work that you do. Well, first of all, can I say on behalf of the church family, thank you. And then keep going. The Lord Jesus is coming back. Your labor for the Lord is not in vain. Whatever work for the Lord you feel weary in this morning, Let's let this be our motivation. Keep going. He is coming back. Your labor is not in vain. Having these words running around in my head this week has been a massive encouragement and helped me to keep going. And just to help these words land with us and take us into this week. Uh, and because repetition is the key to memorization, 
uh, I'm going to need your help, and we're going to participate in these words together. So we'll say the words together two or three times to encourage one another. And why not say these with enthusiasm to encourage your brothers and sisters to keep going? The words will go on the screen, and we'll say together. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. And again, therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. And one more time. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor for the Lord is not in vain. Father, we praise you that that is true, and we pray that you would help us to press on this week and for the rest of our lives, because your son is coming back. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Emmanuel Croydon podcast. For more information about our church and everything we have going on, visit our website, emmanuelcroydon.org.uk. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram to see and hear what's going on in the life of our church. God bless you and have a wonderful week. Thank you.